Hi, I'm Vogue Williams, and I'm delighted to be able to welcome you to the very first episode of Taboo Talk, the brand new podcast from Boots. I'm going to be your host for this series, which asks the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. Each episode is going to focus on one aspect of physical or mental health with guests providing personal insights as well as expert takeaways. We are off to a belter of a start, very fitting word for our first amazing guest, Jamie Lang, who's going to be discussing a topic that I think will strike a chord with, well, pretty much everyone listening in some way. It's anxiety. That is the moment that my life changed. I swear to God, I still go that bloody panic attack. Typically what happens with people who get anxiety is that they catastrophize. There was one time which for a while when I was so anxious all the time that I would eat a bit of chocolate. I went to the cinema with Spen and it was too many people that I had to leave and I couldn't tell anyone about it, so I didn't tell anyone. One of the best loved members, I'll say the second best loved of Made in Chelsea is Jamie Lang. He co-hosts two podcasts, Private Parts and Six Degrees from Jamie and Spencer. And he is the founder of confectionery brand Candy Kittens, which I have a cupboard full of delicious. He has spoken openly about anxiety before and how it's affected his life. Now, before we jump in, I think it would be really useful to just clarify exactly what anxiety is because everyone kind of has a different opinion of what it is. So anxiety is an emotional response of unease, such as worry or fear. Everyone has feelings of anxiety at some point in their life. I mean, I was a little bit anxious last night. It manifests in different ways for me. Uh, It does become problematic when these thoughts become all-consuming and affect your body, your behavior, the decisions you make, and how you feel about your ability to cope. Okay, let's get started. Welcome, our first guest, Jamie Lang. Woohoo! Jamie, our woop, first podcast woop. together. Is it? This is our first podcast together, isn't it? Are you embarrassed because you've never invited me on um, private parts? Oh my god, this has been. This, this is such lies. It's it's lies. It's, it's not true. It's lies. You're already lying okay, at the beginning I of your podcast. I want you to find the message and screen grab it and send it back to me where you asked me to be on private parts. Oh, I have to go back all the okay, times when you're flirting with me. There's so many flirt. You're basically. It goes. It goes. I asked you to go on a podcast. It then just goes to you flirting with me, and then me just saying this is inappropriate. And then, and then we cancel it. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't help myself. Uh, but we are here, Jamie, today, not to talk about my flirting, to talk about anxiety. And we've actually yeah. spoken about anxiety loads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about it a lot. And also, I think, I think the good thing about you and I that we talk about it is that you always, when you have anxiety, you experience anxiety, it's always a great thing to have someone that you can talk to about it. Yeah. So I know with you and I that if I... Because your husband, my best mate, doesn't understand anxiety so much, Spencer. But me and you do. So we can talk about it. And the greatest thing is also that we can laugh about it. I think that's the best thing is that we we can sort of make light of our own anxiety. I know when you think back to being anxious, you can kind of make a little bit of fun about it. But God, when you're in the thick of it... It's That's just the worst. the worst. And you were saying that you were out at the weekend and you had a few drinks. And that yeah. is that is one of my ways of not being anxious, not drinking. I yes. think it really just, it just makes your anxiety a million times worse. And it's simply because you were drinking, you haven't had enough sleep. And all those mm-hmm. things just make you feel awful. 
Yeah, but my one's different, Vegas. So my one now, right? So okay, so I'll explain what happened to me. So my uh, my my journey with anxiety. So so I obviously was like an anxious kid. I must have been. I remember I was at boarding school, and I would be like lying in bed. And I'd be thinking, I got. I was like eight years old, and I'd be like, I got this really bad lump in my throat, and I wouldn't be able to like swallow properly. That is definitely anxiety, right? But I was like eight years old, and the difference is, is that when I was eight years old, no one told me it was anxiety, no one said anything, so I didn't label it as anxiety. And anxiety, I think, is like a learned thing. So. Anyway, I must have been an anxious kid. I was like a reckless kid. Any like child that my mom had to put me behind like a gate to like stop me because I was like screaming so much. So any, yeah, I was horrendous. So I was obviously anxious and then whatever, like life happens, right? So we, you know, we, we go through school. That was okay. We have the insecurities of being at school, whatever that is. Insecurities of growing up. I then went to university, same kind of thing. Insecurities, all that kind of stuff. You don't really think about it too much. And then I went and joined a TV show, which was made in Chelsea. And that, like, I thought firstly doing made in Chelsea would, like, cure everything. Oh, my God, it's going to validate me. It's going to, everyone's going to love me. I'm going to be famous. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And what you don't realize (laughs) is that everyone just thinks you're a bit of a posh wanker. (laughs) And you're doing this reality show. And so what happened was is that all of my insecurities and anxieties that I had experienced growing up kind of came to one point where I was watching The Voice I remember it so I was watching The Voice and the guy on The Voice said he said oh I've been very unwell I've had bronchitis and something like triggered in me I don't know what it was and I suddenly thought oh I feel a bit unwell and that developed into like a full-blown panic attack and I'd never yeah I'd never experienced panic attacks I never had panic I didn't know what a panic attack was didn't know what anxiety was I was 22 I'm 32 now so it's 10 years ago so I had this panic attack, felt like I was dying, which is the usual thing, right? This is typically what happens with anxiety. So was it your heart or what was it? You just couldn't breathe Honestly, properly? I just, I felt like I was, felt like my heart was beating fast. It felt like I was about to faint. It's all the typical things. If you Google, you know, people have had panic attacks on Reddit, it's a typical thing. Problem was mine lasted for six hours. It didn't stop for six hours. Because oh I didn't know what it was. terrifying. It was horrendous. So I went to hospital to basically asked what was wrong with me when I was having this panic attack. And the guy said to me, oh, you're having a panic attack. And I said, well, what's that? He said, you're just over panic. Don't worry about it. Go and have a Coca-Cola and go home. And that was like the worst piece of advice that I could (laughs) ever get. Because you think, what the hell? Well, this whole experience has been so horrendous. There was no information that he told about it. There was nothing around it at all. So I was just like, well, I'm panicking. What is this thing? So I went to bed that night and I felt horrendous I just and and that is the moment that my life changed I swear to god I still go that bloody panic attack if I had never had that panic attack and the problem was is I had that panic attack and then I went into sort of GAD so general anxiety disorder for about six months right which is where I was a really outgoing person and I became like a recluse I went to the cinema with Spen he will remember this went to the cinema with him we were watching Captain America and it was too many people in there. I had to leave. And I couldn't tell anyone about it. So I didn't tell anyone. Never told anyone. And for six months, I was in a horrendous place, trying to do main Chelsea, trying to put on this face, but being in panic mode the entire time. And I was in the shower at this one point, 
and I finally said out loud to myself, what is wrong with me? What is wrong yeah. with me? And I, and I got upset. And it was the first time I said out loud, told my mum. My mum took me to the doctors. Doctor then sent me to a therapist. And that was the start of my journey of it. Yeah. When was your the first one happened to you? Well, do you know what? I, I think that back in the day, like when you would have been a kid and stuff like that and having anxiety and having those physical symptoms, it was kind of thought of oh, her, his nerves are at him. Yes. Or her nerves are at her. It was never like a thing that that's anxiety. And I never had it as a child ever. And I remember... How long ago was it? Probably about seven or eight years ago, just before I got divorced. So about seven or eight years ago, I had the same thing where I honestly, I thought that like I was having a heart attack and I couldn't breathe. And yeah. again, no one, even back then, no one really knew what it was. And I remember going to this hospital at like half 11 at night and going in and being like, there's something wrong with me, blah, blah, blah. And then they passed me on. And then I was meant to go for all these like horror examinations. And I was like, yeah. but I'm fine now. And it was obviously just a massive panic attack. And I think that's when it started. But mine was real like physical so like I'd, my hands would always be clenched my teeth would be clenched so much so that I had to get gum shields so I had gum shields oh because you were grinding your teeth so much <laughs> I had to get my front teeth were like ground down so uh, I got gum shields and it was really like that and the same as you then I eventually was like right I've got to go and like try and figure this out so I actually went on medication which really really helped me it just like masked all the physical symptoms so then I could deal with the issue. I don't think that, I personally don't think that medication can just help. But like, mm. then we went and I spoke to a therapist and a therapist, if you find the right one can be amazing, but also a therapist isn't for everyone. Like, can you imagine Spencer sitting down talking to a therapist? Oh my God. Yeah, but he, he, just because he wouldn't understand it. Because also he wouldn't want to open up to it. It's yeah, therapists are an interesting thing because, uh, but also you have to be like ready for it, right? Because... I, someone told me this the other day, right? So someone said to me, uh, we were talking about mental health and things like that. And, and we were talking in like a group of different people. And this guy said, we need to get this thing. We need to get over the stigma of mental health. And everyone kind of agreed, of course, we need to get over the stigma of mental health. But then one guy said something which is so true, which is so different. He said, yes, of course, we need to get over the stigma of mental health. Right. But it's so different saying that than say, than you saying individually. Yeah, but I, I have anxiety. People are very easy to say, yeah, we've got to get over the stigma, but people still find it difficult to say, I have anxiety, I have depression, I have, because they still think they're going to be judged. You don't want to be that person, like I personally don't want to either, and I know that sounds bad, but like, I don't want that to be what I'm known for, to be an anxious person. Yes, I have anxiety, it's a part yeah. of me, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be the spokesperson for anxiety. I want to talk about it but not have it just, that's all that I'm about. Yeah, it's a really it's a really tricky thing because the hardest thing with anxiety, which is basically the same what I had to deal with, and I think a lot of younger kids have, right, is that they don't want to be labelled with this person to have anxiety because they think it's such a negative thing. And the problem with thinking that it's such a negative thing, that it's such a problem, that it's a complete issue, that it's totally alien to anyone else, is that it actually kind of means that you never really accept the fact that you have anxiety and then actually it becomes harder to get over. So for me, my journey was I never accepted that I had anxiety I was always yeah. like oh no 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 it's because I've drunk too much it's I've drunk too much I've drunk too much alcohol that's the reason why I have it oh no no I've broken up in my relationship so that's the reason why I had it. I'm not this relationship's not right so this is the reason why it's not working I got to places where I would like there was one time with like for a while when I was so anxious all the time that I would eat a bit of chocolate at eight in the evening because when I ate a piece of chocolate at eight in the evening, I didn't have anxiety that night. So I thought, well, that's a cure. I have to eat a piece of chocolate oh. every single. Yeah. So I got to such a place where I was trying to find cures the entire time. 
And I started going to therapy and stuff like that. And I did therapy. I never did medication because I was so, and this is again an anxious thing, right? I was like, well, I can't, no, I can't do medication. I can't do medication. I can't do that. There's no I way. Remember I remember talking to you about it as yes. well. And you were like, no way. And I was like, no way. Yeah. yeah, no way. But I'll drink like a bottle of vodka. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. But it's, Jamie, how did you do like, so I remember you did, what was that show called with Spenny? Hunted. Oh God. And Spencer no. said that your anxiety was just like, yeah, how did you do a TV show like that and have people like chasing you and have to be on TV and have to try and like play up to the cameras when mm-hmm. you're like crippled with anxiety? Because I was so used to masking it from everyone. Like mm-hmm. I was just so used to it. Like my, I was so, so I'd done it for so long. And with Hunted, it was the reason why Hunted it, the anxiety became so bad is because Hunted was this big show for stand up cancer. And it was a big Channel 4 show. And I was doing it with Spen. And I wanted to impress. I've always put so much pressure, like you have as well, on our careers. Mm. Our careers are so important to us. And so my anxiety started to prick up while I was doing this Hunted show. And the problem was, is that because it had sort of flared up so much, all I could think was, this is going to make me quit. This is going to make me quit doing this Hunter show and then my career. And I would catastrophize every single time. And that's typically what happens with people who get anxiety is that they catastrophize. Yeah. So the whole time I was doing this TV show is I kept thinking people were going to catch me out for being anxious. They're going to find out that I'm this anxious person, that I'm hiding it all inside. And actually I'm putting on this front on the outside, but actually on the inside and I'm just crippled with this scenario. And I think I went to therapy and things like that and started doing that. And the, the only time when I actually really had to sort of start like properly changing things around is when I was 27 years old. And I remember it so well. I was in a restaurant and I was going out with one of my ex-girlfriends and um, she were having like another argument and I'd always suppressed my anxiety because it would just I was always ignoring it or, or blaming it on something else. And it came to a point where suddenly um, I was sitting there. I was actually with Spen again. It's so weird. I was with Spen again. We just, I just left my girlfriend. We had an argument. And then I was with Spen. And it was like a fog came over my eyes. It's the only way I can describe it. It's like a fog. And I was like, what is this? I was like, this is really weird. And I don't know if you ever wake up and you're extremely tired or you feel maybe you've, you're very hungover or something like that. You almost feel like you're in a dream state. It was yeah. like that. And this lasted for about two weeks, this sort of dream state that I was in. I was like, this is really two weird. Two weeks? Yeah, yeah, but it gets, so it was two weeks last, like, it was like I was floating. The only way to describe it is like I was living outside of my body. Yeah. I was like, this is like a really odd scenario. I, I didn't know what was going on. And finally, I went to a psychotherapist. And the psychotherapist analyzed me, and I spoke to him for about an hour and a half. And he said, Jamie, you've got something called depersonalization. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, you get it when you've had severe depression. You get it when you have PTSD, extreme stress, or severe anxiety. And from what it looks like, you've had it from severe anxiety. So I went, okay. And he said, but also you can get it when you have psychosis. So yeah. me being this anxious person, when you're anxious, you worry about the things. I immediately went to the, the ultimate thing. So I said, well, I'm going mad. That's what's happened. I'm losing my mind. So then for the next six months, this fog-like thing didn't disappear. So I was stuck in this depersonalization state for six months. And what exactly, sorry, what does depersonalization mean for people listening? So, and for me, it's like you just, you don't feel like yourself at all. You're just going, floating around, kind of just doing your day-to-day thing. Yeah, let, let me let me describe, uh, okay, here we go. So this is, this is what describing on the internet says, a depersonalization is described as a feeling disconnected or detached from oneself. Individuals may report feeling as if they are an outside observer of their 
own thoughts or body and often feel a loss of control over their thoughts or actions. So it basically makes you feel that you're not a part of your body. It's a horrendous thing to experience. For six months you had that? Six months, yeah. And so then you get into the stage where you just think that it's never going to go, right? So you're like, well, it's never going to go. And I was on holiday and I was resting. And I just, again, and you're, and you know, Vogue, when you've had, when you're going through severe like periods of these things, it's the only thing that you can think about. You can only think about the anxiety or whatever. Yeah. And finally, this sense of depersonalization lifted. It was like um, someone had just removed a filter from Instagram. See, it, yeah. honestly, like that, it suddenly disappeared. What did you change in your life, though, to make it disappear? I had rested. I hadn't drunk alcohol that much. I was starting to look after myself. I was starting to take therapy a bit more seriously. I was talking to people about it. And slowly by slowly, it lifted. And from that moment on, that 27-year-old self, I was like, well, I've got to change the way that I am and the things that I was doing. And I just started taking myself and my body a lot more seriously rather than just taking it for granted. Yeah. But I do remember, like, I don't know you just for anxiety, but like, you do like, I feel, even when you said that about being in the cinema, I think that in certain situations, you just kind of pull away from them. And it probably is because of your anxiety, like sometimes yeah. when we call you flaky, it's actually just because, you know what, you're thinking of yourself and actually that's not what I feel like doing today. And I think that is important to listen to yourself. And if like, there's a big party or something going on and you just decide to yourself, actually, I don't want to be a part of that. Like no one should get annoyed about it. You should just realize that people have different reasons as to why they don't want to do that kind of stuff not just you being flaky yeah not just me being flaky i had a real issue I, yeah i had a real issue for so 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 long how many times where, have i asked you if you're coming to scotland uh, i'm like so, are you definitely coming yeah i'm coming to scotland i actually have got something i'm actually much better thing is also is that now um also i know who my friends are now right yeah so i know so you guys for example i know you guys are my friends and before I was firstly wanting to be friends with everyone and be the most popular person always and be loved by everyone and all these different things. And actually, that's just not you can't possibly do that. And I also, because of my anxiety, I was so socially anxious. It was so weird. I was the most outgoing person, most energetic person, sort of life and soul of the party. But I felt like I had to do that all the time, which made me so socially anxious. So going for a one on one lunch with a friend would be too intimate it would be too intimate, yeah. Honestly, did you ever have this where I would leave thinking it'd be like an Uber rating? I'd ask for, like, <laughs> honestly, I would need a rating of how like good it was. Like, was I like a 7 out of 10 there or was I a 6? I think that joke was funny and that landed, so that probably gave me another half a point. Like, honestly, like that. It's, Even it's, with, like, with like us, not with us. No, you not don't with do you that. guys. No, not with you guys. Not with you guys at all. Um, I think that's probably, though, I, I feel like that if I, if I... Like even going to a lunch with my friends yesterday, but there was like eight people there. But there was two people that had just come back from New York and I hadn't seen them in ages. And I felt anxious going. And these are like friends mm. that I've had forever. And I was like, why am I anxious going to hang out with my mates? And I remember getting there first and then being real anxious about the other people that were coming and being like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, just yeah. like, I don't know. I suppose you build things up. But for me, I think anxiety isn't something that you get rid of. I think it's something that you like yeah. manage. How yeah, was you your an- Yeah, but how was your anxiety during COVID? It was much better, actually. Was it? No, it wasn't. Was it better? No, it wasn't better. It was, thing is, is exactly that thing. And, like, and anyone who's listening to this right now, it's, it's the hardest thing to do with anxiety is accept it. Mm. You know, I, there's so many times, like I said before, and I'm repeating myself, but where I've gone, okay, fine, if I don't drink for six months, my anxiety will go. And what happens is, is of course, you're, you don't drink and your anxiety does become less because, you know, alcohol definitely, like, 
inhibits anxiety and makes it worse. So there'd be, so I'd, I would not drink for three months and I'd be like, okay, I, you know, I'm going to get to the fourth month and my anxiety is going to be disappeared forever. And the problem is, is that it, it, anxiety, yeah, unfortunately, it's like a really scary thing. It's going to be there forever. The way I yeah. describe it is this, right? Okay, so I, about five years ago, six years ago, I got tinnitus in my ears, right? So I started yeah. getting tinnitus. And uh, I remember I woke up. Well, it's always with Spen. I woke, <laughs> I woke up. Should we call I, him when we get him on? <laughs> yeah, Spen giving me all these things. Um, he wouldn't I, know what to say about anxiety. <laughs> he would have no clue. He kind of gets it now, though, from being with me. He kind of does understand it. And actually, when he was going through his raise, I think he it's the first time he felt any kind of stress or anxiety in his whole life. And I think he just yeah. couldn't actually believe it. Well, it weirdly, actually, to sort of sidetrack, typically with men, what happens is, is that guys, this is why, okay, this is why the scariest statistics, 125 people a week take their own life due to suicide, right? 75% of those are male. Men, the reason why men are typically more prone to, to suicide is because, firstly, we don't talk about our emotions, right? That's the thing, because we don't talk about it because we're conscious of what other guys think and stuff like that. But also, we don't really understand our emotions. So what happens with men, typically, is that when they are feeling a certain way, their emotion that they come out with is anger. So they get angry. So if Spen is stressed, for example, he'll be grumpy. It's like grumpy. It's like anger. And that's because he doesn't know how to portray it. And men don't really know how to portray emotions. So what they do is they get frustrated within themselves. Oh my God, I can't let this. Hide it, hide it, hide it. And then they do the most horrendous thing, which is actually taking their own life, which is, you know, there's no second chance after that. Right. And actually I was speaking to this I, there was a really good chat I was talking to this guy about which talked about medication and everyone says all these different things about medication the side effects and stuff like that I think people are kind of embarrassed to it's in a way it's admitting defeat but for me with with anxiety like I don't think I could have gone through therapy and and been able to talk through things without taking medication to make myself just calmer yeah. but I was thinking God it's going to change the person that I am during the day but it, it didn't it was great for that reason but as well I think with anxiety like you've got to figure out your way of of dealing with it there's loads of ways of managing it and some people do things that don't work I can't meditate I cannot I can't yeah, imagine no, you can meditate. I can't meditate. No ways. <laughs> but people find that great. But for me, it's about like, I train. I love training. I try not to drink too much because if I drink, I'm always anxious. I mm. have to try and get good sleep. CBD oil really works for me. Does it help you? Oh my God. Honestly, so much. It just, but I have this like, mad nighttime routine because at night I can I can work myself like last night I was lying in bed and I was watching the Kardashians I'm sorry but I was but like <laughs> it was the bit where like they were talking about their dad dying and then I got myself into this huge like anxious state because I was so frightened of dying I was trying to rationalize it and I couldn't and then I had to get my sleep spray back out so like I have this whole thing I put sleep spray I've got my earplugs I put on white noise and I take CBD oil and I feel like if I don't do all those things I won't sleep and then I'll be anxious the next day so yeah but that but that's definitely that's a, that's like an anxious regime right that's that's a typical anxious person right so actually what you should try and do is break that train of thought because what happens is is that you're saying to yourself okay if I don't do this this and this and this I'm going to feel anxious the next day and so you're yeah. actually forcing yourself into a sort of an anxious state and and I, I totally know what you mean because I had so many of those routines that I would do honestly like <laughs> flick the carpet turn the light switch off and yeah. sing hallelujah and I'd be like oh my god I'm free of it like honestly <laughs> that's what happens the whole time but the only way I say about anxiety is I said like tinnitus right so with tinnitus very boring very quickly with tinnitus right it's a constant ringing in your ear 
is. That's what happens. And so the way it happens is that your hair follicles in your ear get bent back when they hear a noise, sends a signal to your brain that you're hearing something, and that's where you hear noise. Problem with tinnitus is that these hair follicles have been broken, so they're constantly sending a signal to your brain that you're hearing noise. So it's a constant high pitch, low pitch, different pitch, whatever it is, tone in your ear that you can't get rid of. It's incurable. Never goes. So you still have it. Still, I can hear it right now. So if you think about it, you can hear it right now. So it's like very high. So you know when you were kids and when we were children, you could hear the TV was on in the next door room. It was like that high pitch sort of noise. It's like that in your ears. So when it first starts, it's the most horrendous thing in the world. Like you want to honestly, you'd think, well, I can't go through like this. And so... Uh, you kind of start to get used to it. And being an anxious person, right, it's even worse. Because then you're anxious about hearing it, which makes it even worse. And then you're anxious about being anxious and so on. It's like a perpetual thing. It's terrible. Yeah. But the thing with tinnitus is that it's always going to be there forever, right? And this is a great piece of advice that someone told me about anxiety, so how you deal with tinnitus. Tinnitus is always going to be there. It's never going to go. It's incurable. When you Google it, it's incurable. You can never get rid of it. So you have to accept it's there. That's the first thing. Second thing is, is it's, it's much like anxiety, right? The actual symptom, like tinnitus, symptom, it can't kill you. It's never going to kill you. It's, it's, it's annoying as hell, but it's never going to kill you. But also with tinnitus, when it arrives, you have to, it's like aircon in a room. When you sleep in a the room, there's aircon on. If you think about listening about the aircon, you'll hear the aircon. Yeah. So you just don't think about the aircon. So you, you becomes in the background noise almost. So that happens. And thirdly, you treat it like a sign. So when tinnitus flares up for me, I know that I'm either tired, I'm stressed, I need to rest or I'm, you know, whatever. So I need to just calm my body down. And that's the same with anxiety. If anxiety comes up, treat it like the aircon in the room. Okay, it's there. If you start obsessing over it, it becomes worse and worse and worse. So just, just go, okay, it's the aircon in the room. Treat it like your friend and go, it must mean I'm tired. I'm overworked, um, I'm a little bit stressed, I need to sleep, I need to eat something, I need to go and exercise, something like that. That's exactly it. If you treat it as a friend and don't, if you don't, if you fear, if you fear the anxiety, it's only going to be worse. But yeah. all, it's like tinnitus, but all you have to do is accept it. Once you accept it, it becomes much easier. That's exactly it. It's like you have to, it's just going to be, not in a bad way, but it's just going to be something that will always be there, but you find your ways of managing it. And then you just feel so much better about it. Like I kind of laugh about mine sometimes because I'm like, yeah. and I just That's get what... up though. I get up. I'm like, I'm going to get up. Even if you haven't slept well the night before, which I think makes it so much worse. It's probably why mm. I have that weird routine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but just we're talking about like, <laughs> ah, 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 drink it. Drink it. <laughs> oh, Sleep spray. <laughs> but what does it because interesting you're with somebody so you're with your your husband Spen he doesn't feel anxiety in that sense so he finds it difficult to understand it so how do you find living with someone who doesn't really understand it He's kind of started to understand it more now and I think he kind of has to because I have had moments where I'm really really anxious and he's just like he tries to like calm me down like yeah, weirdly mine usually is worse at night so I have had like mini breakdowns in front of him. So he kind of gets it. But for me, I think it's exactly what you said. There are reasons as to why you're being anxious and you Always. have to look at them. So you even like, I'm not going to say I'm never going to drink again because I am. And I know the next day, right, tomorrow, I'm probably going to feel a little bit anxious and possibly the day after because I was drinking. But like, I shouldn't do it, but I will do mm. it. But there's ways to manage that. But with, with Sven, I think he kind of, he understands it now. I mean, he's so lucky he doesn't have it. I just can't believe it. How does he not have it? Yeah, but some people don't have it. But actually, it's, it's a curse and a blessing. The reason, you know, the reason why you and I are both like really outgoing and, and people think we're fun at parties and stuff like that is, you know, the, the sort yeah. of side effect to that is that we, we have to deal with anxiety, which is the really annoying thing. I tell you what I've started 
Because, you know, um, so obviously therapy really helps, but you have to, you know, we're incredibly lucky to be able to do therapy and things like that. But also the when I started because you know meditation is really hard and someone said to me once that you know you're the exactly the person who needs to meditate because we you and I go oh we don't have time I don't have time yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. your kids have to do that's the exact moment when you need to start meditating that you're going I don't have time to meditate I don't have time to meditate that is the sort of exact moment no I just can't do it the meditating I I I've tried it. Like I know people that have gone on meditating courses. I honestly, I couldn't think of anything worse. I don't know what I do. I can't even read a book anymore. It's so bad. I always buy these books. I'm like, right, I'm definitely going to start that book. And then I'm like, no, phone, phone. I just can't do it. It's too much. I think I'm too stimulated by everything around me, like my laptop, my phone and everything like that. Another thing that doesn't help is being on your phone before bed. No, that doesn't. What is your screen time? What screen time do you have? Oh, what's my actual screen time? Yeah, what is your screen time? It's a very personal question, Jimmy. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty is it, bad. Is it? What is it? It's pretty bad, and I've got kids. Like, at least five hours, and I've got kids. What's yours? That's, that's not too bad. Mine's about four or five hours. I'd lie. I, mine's like five, six. I went down I think hour. mine is six. <laughs> <laughs> but this is but I just want to say this thing so the thing that I also say so if you don't do that honestly doing cold showers and stuff like that so cold therapy you love that doing, cryo stuff oh my god I started doing cold therapy I had this guy called Wim Hof who was on my podcast and he was this Wim Hof that's a cool name yeah Wim Hof he basically is cool he basically swears but his long story short his, his wife committed suicide he had to look after his kids he was in the worst place in the world and he started using cold therapy it's, it's honestly cold therapy is, is, is pretty insane I think well they even say that with like doing sea swims and everything that's why people are so mad for sea swimming because well they are in Ireland obviously not in London but it gives them like it's great for your body and it's great for your mind it's kind of the same thing as Cold yeah, therapy. but but also the other thing is we'll know this is that we're so used like you and I we're so used to like instant pleasure right like instant mm. relief so if we want to be entertained we watch the Kardashians right if we want to uh, get drunk we have a drink if we want to I don't know do whatever it, everything's quick 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 and the problem with mental health and the problem with anxiety in particular is it's not a quick fix you have to understand no. that it's going to take time in order to cure it and. It, you just have to start to be okay with that within yourself. That if you start to get anxiety and you start to experience it, it will be okay and you will get over it. Yeah, you will. There's all, I feel like there's always ways to manage it. And I think when you're in the real pits of it, I, when I was in my worst ever stage of anxiety, like I'd be awake at like two, three in the morning, just constant, 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 having to get up and just being every day would just roll into the next. I kind of had that feeling like you have, but not that bad. I was just so exhausted that it was yeah. dusty and you feel like you'll never get out, but there are so many different ways of coping with it. And actually I do have a question here. If you could give any of the listeners struggling with anxiety, one bit of advice that's really helped you one thing that's really helped you what would it be cry it oh, um i mean like there's the usual things that really help, like exercise without a doubt 100 yeah. percent exercise without a doubt uh, i would say cold therapy helps but the biggest piece of advice honestly accepting it yeah mine is probably you know my friend rona, rona she's a therapist and yeah, we were yeah, in yeah. scotland one time and i had really bad anxiety and like i couldn't sleep and it was like one in the morning and she was still up downstairs with everyone and i went back down to her and she just like took me upstairs and sat me down and she goes what's the worst that can happen yeah that's and so i sat down and i was like 
she's right. What's, what am I? I was so stressed because again, I had to get up at like five in the morning and go back to Ireland to work for the day. And I was so worked up because I had to get up and I wanted to be on forum for work. And she's just like, what's the worst that can happen? You'll be so wrecked for the whole day and then it's done. And I kind of always try and think back to that and just say, right, put it all into perspective. And then we'll sort it out. Jamie, we've sorted everyone's anxiety out. <laughs> yeah. That's it, guys. Accept Don't, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just accept that. Yeah. But it actually is, but it's, that's like a typical CBT technique, which it is. It's like, what is the worst that can happen? Do you know, there's an amazing lecture, right, which is uh, only like 20 minutes long. If anyone wants to listen to it, it's actually really useful. It's called Why Zebras Don't Have Ulcers. And basically the whole concept is, is that when the zebra goes to the watering hole and it drinks from the watering hole and the lioness comes and tries to eat it, right? It runs away and it escapes. But the zebra will go back to the same watering hole and drink from the watering hole. What we do as humans is that if we are at the so-called watering hole and someone tries to shoot us and we run away, we'll never go back to that watering hole because we think, what could have happened? We could have died. We could have this. We could have that. So we obsess over things. We obsess over the things that actually potentially could have happened but didn't. What we have to try and do as humans is live in the present. So what is the worst that can happen? It didn't happen. So think about the positive. People wake up and go, my day tomorrow is going to be crap. Oh, the kids are going to be tired. Don't think like that. Think what happens if I can put that, I can do that. The kids are going to be great. So change that thought process around. It really helps. That is what you have to do. Yeah. And the worst might not happen. And the worst might not happen. But it might. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It might happen. It is. That is anxiety though. It's like looking into the future and being like, oh my God, it's going to be terrible. You've got to, as you said, you have to just live in the present and don't worry about what's going to happen in the future. It will all be grand. And also just the one thing I want to say, because a lot of people at the moment, I think are feeling socially anxious because lockdown is eased and everyone's going back into these usual things and stuff like that. I would say that the biggest thing to do when people are feeling socially anxious is expose yourself to situations. So if you're scared about walking across three drains, right? So you've got three drains in front of you and you're scared about walking across them because you think the world's going to blow up if you walk across (laughs) the three drains. You know that thing where like, I can't do it. Walk across the three drains and realize nothing can happen. Expose yourself to these situations. So if you're socially anxious at the moment and you're avoiding going to parties or lunches or dinners or whatever it is go to a lunch just do it because you'll leave it and you won't realize it's not as bad as it actually was and maybe go with like a smaller group to begin with maybe just go with a couple of your mates and then like ease yourself back into it because I think all of us had that though after COVID like having to go out and like properly socialize one thing that I have taken from COVID though is that like I'm not overloading myself with like you know these people that like aren't your best best mates and like it's just extra people that you have to see I just kind of cut that out it's too much it takes up too much of your time and stresses you out to try and include like this outer circle of people that you don't really want to spend loads of time with so I've done a Spencer I've cut them that's exactly it (laughs) Jamie we've got to wrap it up now Okay. I've loved Why? Because our you chats. don't want to talk to me anymore? <laughs> what is that? So, oh, God. What? Why do you want to talk to me anymore? <laughs> oh, God. So, Jamie, we're going to wrap up our friendship now. So, <laughs> I will see you never. <laughs> Where's that sleet spray? You can drink it. Where's my CBD <laughs> Where's my CBD no, <laughs> I loved that chat, though. I think that, like, actually talking about it and making a bit of fun about it is, it's like... Yeah. It's less formal and it makes it less scary. So if, if it- <laughs> it's less formal, we don't have to wear a black tie for it. I think that the, I think that also I think that if everyone's listening, find someone. Doesn't matter who it is. You know, I, I can chat to Vogue about. It, I can chat to Spen about it actually. But yeah. find like your friend, your your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, a stranger, a dog, someone. Just go out and talk to someone about it. Because if you're not talking, it will only make you worse. Trust me. Exactly. Well, Jamie, thank you so much. It was lovely to have the chats. 
like to say a huge thank you to Jamie for joining me today and being so open, honest and funny about anxiety a really difficult but important topic and I think a role model like Jamie coming forward and discussing mental health in such an accessible way is going to help a huge number of people it actually kind of helps me there too and it will make you feel less alone and that is the main thing you are not alone so thank you for that Jamie now more than ever we need to be breaking down taboos around mental health always speak with your GP if you're worried about your mental health no matter how you're feeling remember that there is always 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 help available. Charity like Anxiety UK and Mind also provide help and advice for anyone who's struggling. You can find out more in the show notes. Don't forget to rate and review the show if you enjoyed it. It really does help spread the word. And also, if you're after some general self-care, and who isn't, to be fair, we all love a bit of that, check out Boots' range of over 2,000 wellness products, including everything from calming aromatherapy products to bath salts and one of my favourites, pillow mists. Start feeling good as new at boots.com.